If you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Acts is where we're going to begin, uh, and Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to start. I am excited about this right here. Uh, And so we are going into a short little mini series of messages, two or three weeks long, and we're just simply calling it The Pattern. The Pattern. We're all creative around here. Look at that. It's like a puzzle. Uh, How many of you like riddles? Okay. Like mind-thinking stuff. Raise your hand real high if that's you. How many of you think that's the worst thing in the world? Okay, we have some of both sides. I love this stuff. I love patterns. I love riddles. I love numbers. It's kind of like a thing in my brain that I just... And, and uh, let me show you a riddle quick, and we're going to figure it out together. Are you ready? Go ahead and put that thing on the screen for me, okay? Easy stuff. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, as my kids would say, but we got this, okay? So we're just going to figure this out quickly. Shoes plus shoes plus shoes equals 30. Clearly, shoes are 10. You got that? You with me so far? Okay, shoes plus weird guy plus weird guy equals 20. Shoes are 10. Divided by the weird guy's five. Are you with me? Shoes are 10. Weird guy's five. All right, 10, 5, 5, 20. Some of you said no. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure about this. Okay, weird guy is 5. We got, those are whistles, if you can't tell what they are. 13, so 13 minus 5 equals 8, divided by 2. Whistles are 4. You're with me? Shoes 10. Shoes 10, chill with me. Shoes are 10. Okay, weird guy's 5. Okay, whistles are 4. Now we get to the bottom. Shoes plus Whistle guy, or plus weird guy, and then we have the whistle there, so we take the shoes, 10, we go plus the weird guy, which was what, 5, 15, okay, and we got plus the whistle, 4, 15, 19, we did it, right? We got it, no, wow, look at you, you guys are finding, you guys are seeing this, because we got something going on here, there's only one shoe, What's going on? How many of you didn't, how many of you saw the only one shoe? Okay, couple of us. So if pair of shoes is 10, one shoe, we're counting it as five. Are you with me? Because you just only got one shoe, one shoe, and the weird guy is five. Okay, five and five and four. 14, right? 14. Four. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's only one whistle. Do you see the whistle? There's only one whistle on the bottom, not two. So a whistle is four. One whistle would be two. We got five plus five, and then we've got one whistle is two, 12. (laughs) What am I missing? Multiplication. Multiplication. Oh, yeah, yeah. The second half of the equation is multiplication. So now we've got to take the guy. The guy is how much again? Five. The whistle is two. Five times two is 10, plus the shoe is 15. Did we do it? Come on, somebody. Why? What are we missing? Yeah, you have to multiply first. So we say, wow, this is getting tense. Okay. (laughs) Five times two is 10, and then we would add the five, 15. You got it? Except, look at this. This kid right here is not wearing his whistle in this picture. What is going on? He has a whistle in the other picture, and he doesn't have a whistle. Maybe you can't see that. And so now, if a whistle is two and the guy is five, so now we're going to count the guy as three, 
and we have five, no, so we have three times two is six plus five is 11. Come on, somebody. You figured it out all by yourself without any help. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Oh my goodness. That was fun, wasn't it? I had I had put this on I had put this on like my Facebook page a couple years ago and 200 comments later everybody looked so foolish and it was absolutely amazing with that but all right we got it we got it how many of you saw every little part of that without even missing one of them no you didn't cheaters all right uh, today I want to show you a pattern a pattern in the Bible and. It's something that we see in the book of Acts, which is really the beginning of the new church. We have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels tell the story of Jesus. They basically end with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. The book of Acts is what comes next. And it starts with the resurrected Jesus talking to the disciples, and then he's going to be gone. And the Bible says he ascends into heaven, and he's there. And then the new church, Christianity, really begins at that point, and the book of Acts tells the story of the early church beginning to spread and how they did different things, but we see this pattern emerge in the book of Acts in the early church again and again and again, and I want to show you that uh, quickly today, but before we get there, I want us to pray together, so stand with me all over this place. Some of you are like, I want to do more riddles, that was fun. <laughs> And uh, let's just pray. Let's pray together and invite God into this moment. God, we worship you. We need you. We are hungry for you. And I pray that through your very word uh, that we would uh, hear your voice and that you would show us things, that you would challenge us and change us and move us, oh God. Use me. Help me. Uh, God, I, I don't want this just to be my stuff. I really want you to come and you to be here with us. And so, Lord, we give this to you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. And just a heads up, I do have another riddle for next week, and I'm excited about it, so you got to come back. <laughs> I love that stuff. Oh, anyone feel kind of dumber than you were before? <laughs> That's good. Pattern in the Bible. A pattern in the Bible. What am I talking about? Well, the first time we see this pattern in the Bible is Acts chapter 2. And so um, let's look there quickly. Acts 2, starting in verse number 37. Let me read this to you. It says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the, here's the backstory. here. Uh, Jesus died, resurrects from the dead, and the story says he, he appears to 500 people over about a 40-day period. Uh, and he teaches, and he tells them, and he says different things, and then he leaves earth and ascends into heaven. Before he leaves, he gathers his closest followers, his disciples, and a couple others as well, and he says to them, he says, I'm leaving, but I want you to go into the city, and I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. 
Uh, and, and for them, they don't have any idea what that means. It's kind of a goofy thing for Jesus to say. And they're like, okay, Jesus then leaves. And the disciples and the followers of Jesus are left to kind of figure some of this stuff out. And the Bible says they gathered together in this room, uh, the upper room of a house. 120 of them were gathered together and they began to pray. And all of a sudden, all sorts of crazy stuff starts happening. Uh, there's loud noise like a mighty wind that shows up, even though there's no storm or no wind. There's fire that shows up, and it kind of shows up weird on people's heads, and it's, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, and God, the Holy Spirit, fills these men and these women. They begin speaking in languages that they did not even know. Well, people on the outside began to gather around, and they're going, what is going on here? They can tell something's happening. And, and so a crowd begins to form. Uh, they even say things. They're talking to each other and they're saying like, I think they're drunk. Okay, it's in the Bible. Uh, and, and, and so Peter stands up in front of this crowd. And this crowd is a massive number of people. And he begins to tell them, uh, he says, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. He says that. It's in the scripture here, okay? And he begins to tell them the story of Jesus and what Jesus came to do and that he died and that he rose again and that, that God has changed things now and sent his son. Uh, and Peter begins to preach this sermon. It's a long sermon. Acts chapter two has like the entire thing of what that is. Long story short, it leads up to what we read in verse 37. It just says, when the people heard this, that's what Peter was telling them, uh, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? These people are convicted by the words of Peter as he speaks. They have been told the truth and now they're left with like, they're moved and they're saying, what do we do now? is what we have. And Peter's response is the beginning of a pattern. And this pattern that we're going to see again and again, Peter replies, repent. He replies, be baptized. He replies, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me put the pattern up in a clearer way. Go ahead and put that next slide here for me. Okay, we're just gonna say it this way. Salvation, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and these are words that we get from different places in different ways. I'm going to show you this. Salvation, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. This pattern seems to emerge. Uh, this is the first time. And what we're going to see is that some, sometimes the bottom two are flipped in different ways. But, uh, so it's not always one, two, three. But go to the next slide for me. And for those who didn't get to write that down yet, I put it on the bottom here and made it in pretty colors so that you can see it, okay? And so here, let me just connect them. I color-coded them for us because we're into patterns today, and I like color-coding stuff. But we have salvation. That's repent, and that's, that's that word, repent, is, is respond to the message that Jesus died. Uh, ask God for forgiveness. Turn from your sins, and you will be saved, is what the Scripture says. Baptism in water, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you, baptism in water, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's the words Jesus used when he said, uh, he said, wait, and he said, wait until you, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the phrase that Jesus used, okay? Um, and then the story says that Peter finished talking about this and that on that day, 3,000 people were baptized in water. 3,000 people. We're talking a massive crowd. Crazy stuff begin to happen in all of that. Okay, flip over a few chapters to Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bible with you, Acts chapter 8. 
Um, Acts chapter 7 tells the story of a man named Stephen. Stephen is a follower of Christ, and Stephen is murdered for his faith in Jesus. These religious Jewish people grab massive stones and begin to chuck them down on him, and they kill him in the middle of a street of Jerusalem. Uh, they, they murder him for his faith in Jesus Christ. The result of this event is that the Christians in Jerusalem begin to scatter. Persecution sets in, and they begin to go. If it wasn't for this event, okay, the, the, the movement of Christianity uh, would have much been much slower but this man dies and Christians scatter every direction, sometimes as many as 500 miles, and the message of Jesus begins to go throughout that entire region. It starts because this man is killed, though, okay? Uh, and so now we get to Acts chapter 8. A Christian named Philip, has, he ends up in this place called Samaria, uh, where he begins to tell the people there about Jesus, he tells them, and the same as Peter, just starts telling them, and here's what happens next. This is verse number 12, Acts 8, 12. It says, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, proclaimed the good news, uh, and they believed. That's salvation. We would have part number one in our pattern, and then they were baptized. This is water baptism. We see this. Okay, and it goes on, verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem, there's still some hanging out in Jerusalem, when they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They had just been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's water baptism. They had just been baptized in water, okay? And they pray for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Salvation, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. One more, and then we need to move on. I'm just going to show you one more. Acts chapter 19, as it just kind of continues, this pattern of the new church spreading uh, Acts 19, verse number 1, when it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, we are now hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem in the country of Corinth. That is Greece, or the city of Corinth in Greece. Uh, Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. That's in Turkey, actually, modern-day Turkey. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. The phrase, when you believe, when you believed is referring to salvation. Okay, very clearly in this, we have these people responding to and believing this message. Uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They reply, no, that's the Holy Spirit. We have the third part, verse number three. So Paul asks, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that is baptized in water. And, the, and if you want to get bigger into this stuff, they, they had heard about the coming Messiah and different things. And actually, John the Baptist is who it's talking about here, was also doing baptisms and different things. We understand that. We know that. Okay, but they're, they're like learning this stuff about Jesus, and so they're water baptized 
in, into, in the name of Jesus. And then verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. That is the Holy Spirit. Salvation, water baptism, the Holy Spirit. We have a pattern. One, two, three. Okay, again and again, in the New Testament here, in the book of Acts, we see this pattern, salvation, people responding to the message of Jesus for the first time, them being baptized in water, and the Holy Spirit having some part in this as, as well. Now, next week, we are going to talk about this third part. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the different ways that different denominations and different scholars understand this. We're going to humbly kind of go at it that way. And we're going to talk about what this means for us and, and kind of where we grab onto some of this. But for today, for today, for the few minutes we have left together, I want to talk about this middle section, and that is water baptism. I want to talk about this and listen. One of the most often asked questions that we get here as pastors is on this topic of water baptism. And uh, especially with younger families, families that have little kids, fam- people who maybe are having babies and different things like that, uh, they ask us uh, all the time, water baptism, do you ba- will you baptize my kids? Will you do the water baptism? And I'll just be very upfront about this. We do water baptism in a different way than the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. And I would say the majority of us in this place, that's your background. We're in central Minnesota here, Stearns County Germans and Norwegian Lutherans, and come on, raise your hand, somebody, if that's you, and be proud of that. Woo, 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 woo. Okay, and some of you, some of you, the reality is like, like your, your grandma would not love it that you're in this church today. That, that's some of the stories of, that we have here, and we're just being real about some of this stuff. But so here we go. Let's talk about this topic from our perspective. Uh, different denominations of Christianity do water baptism differently. It looks different, and it's done at different times and at different stages of a person's life. But understand this, the reason that all Christian churches do water baptism is because of something that Jesus said. And this is found in Matthew chapter 28, and it's also found in Mark 16. And of course, we see the pattern of this happening. But the reason that these people in Acts were doing water baptism is really comes down to this thing that Jesus said. Um, and here's what it is. Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Why are they doubting? They're, they're doubting because they're seeing a man who they watched die. And he's now alive. Okay, They've, They're coming to see Jesus. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, at the very end of his time here on earth, he gives his followers these final instructions. You could call it their mission, their purpose. Like, this is what you guys are going to do now. I'm out of here and you're going to take it from here and you're going to go. And and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. That word disciples is just like interchangeable with a follower. Go make followers. Go make disciples everywhere that you go. Uh, And then he says baptizing them. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Basically, when a person responds to this news about Jesus, when they, when they hear this and they believe it and they accept it and they say yes to that, part of that transition in their life is that part of that decision for them is that they are to be baptized in water. And from the very beginning of the Christian church, we see water baptism taking a pretty significant role. But the complexity lies in the fact that the Bible does not really give us a whole lot of clarity about what this looks like. And from this point, Jesus says, do this. And now we have different versions of Christianity and different denominations within Christianity who have attempted to figure this out. And that's why we have differences in some of this type of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not someone who likes to stand up and, and, and rip on other churches for the way that they do things. They, they are sincerely trying to figure some of this stuff out themselves. And some tradition gets in the way and we get some messes, but we've got our messes too. And we're just willing to admit that we're trying to figure out how to serve God the best that we can around here. So um, quickly... Let me give you a few things about water baptism from our understanding and our interpretation of all of this. Does that sound like a good idea? Okay, wow, we're kind of, yeah, thank you. Okay, first, I want to make this clear. We do not believe that the Bible teaches that baptism saves a person. Okay, we don't see baptism forgiving sins or, or being what gets a person into heaven. And that's very, we are very adamant about this. Some Christian churches talk that way and, and they, they think that way. We believe that we are saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, you know, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. We are saved through faith because of the grace of God. It's not anything we do, it's in what God has already done, Okay. This is the way that we think about this. So water baptism for us is not about getting into heaven or washing away our sins. We don't think of it that way at all. In fact, scripturally, we, we, and we could have a much bigger conversation about this, understand like I'm rocking through all sorts of different things, but at the very root of it, that's we do not assign ourselves to that way of thinking at all. I've been to all sorts of funerals and different things, and one of the things I can't stand is when a pastor or a priest gets up front and says, so-and-so is in heaven today because they were baptized in our church when they were a baby. That I, do, I think that is so far away from what the Bible would teach. So just understand that, okay? And so we just want to start right there. Second, the second thing for us, water baptism, it's not a membership thing. We don't baptize people into River of Life Church. Like, that's not the way that we think about this. But there is a piece of joining, and we'll get to that in a moment. But it's not about this church right here, right now, and, and, and you're a part of this church now because you're baptized here and you weren't a part of it before. We don't think that way. Okay, that's not, we don't see that scripturally in that way. In fact, in the Bible... This, like, this is going to be so common sense, but in the world that we live in with so many different churches and denominations and flavors of Christianity, this is going to feel crazy. In the Bible, there weren't different denominations. There was all just one. It was all together. We've made a mess of some of this. 
Like just, we, we really have, as churches in, in America and Christianity 2000, whatever, like there were no different denominations. So the idea that someone is being water baptized into a specific denomination, you cannot make a biblical argument for that. There wasn't any denominations. That doesn't, it's not how, okay, so we just don't see that. Um, also, you'll notice we don't, we don't baptize infants. A very, very different thing than many, than many of you grew up in. And I would say a massive, uh, it could be as high as nine out of ten families in our church. Uh, you were baptized as an infant or had your kids baptized. Okay, like it, this is the culture that we live in. We don't do that. Uh, we think, we, we dedicate infants to the Lord but we don't baptize them during that. We think babies are immensely important and we love dedicating them to God have, and having parents stand up and take a vow that I'm gonna raise my kids to serve God and do everything that I can to do that. But for us, we tend to wait until the child or the adult makes the decision for themselves. That's just the way that we think about all of this, okay? Um, next, you'll see we, we baptize by what's called immersion. And you say, what does that mean? It means we literally take a person all the way under the water and bring them back up. Uh, we, don't, we don't sprinkle water or pour a little pour a cup on people, and I don't mean to make light of any of that. In, in fact, I have done that before. If you have someone that is, that is unable to do that, or, you know, I, we baptized someone who was literally like 98 years old at one point, and it was this sweet woman, and she couldn't w- go up the stairs. I mean, the, just realistically, how is this? And, and so we, there's, there's grace in all of this. You understand that. And I'm not, it's not about black or white and all that type of stuff like that. Uh, but we, we are just trying to humbly follow what we see in the Bible. We're not here to rip on other denominations that do things differently. We're not here to make anyone feel weird about the way they were baptized. Like, that's not our intent. So if baptism isn't about forgiving sins or going to heaven or becoming a member, how do we understand it? I'm glad you asked. Because if you didn't ask, we were just going to be done right now. But, okay, uh, uh, three things. Three things. Baptism is symbolic. Baptism is declaration. Baptism is identification. Okay, those are the three things we're going with with this. Uh, and you could make arguments and go other ways with some of this as well, but this is just how we're narrowing it down. So let's go through this really quickly uh, to get a better understanding of what's going on here. The first piece to understanding water baptism is to understand the symbolism with this. Okay, it's symbolic in two different ways. Symbolic of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Also symbolic of the dying of our own old way of life and coming to new life. In water baptism, we take a person down all the way underneath the water, okay? And it's symbolic of Jesus dying and going into the grave. It's also symbolic of us in our lives going down. The way that we used to live and who we used to be is now gone. And we bring them back up. New life, resurrection life, Jesus being raised from the dead. We are coming to new life in that way from death to life. Baptism is symbolic of all of that stuff. Now understand, baptism in water doesn't accomplish those things. It's not like, like we don't believe you were dead to your sins and now you go into the water and you come up and now you're alive. It's a symbolic thing of what has already happened on the inside of a person for us. This is the way that we think that. Uh, think about this. Second, baptism is declaration. Declaration. 
It's declaring to the world that you have decided to be a follower of Jesus. It's this declaration type of thing, declaring to your family that I'm doing this and this is important to me and, and, and I'm not turning back and I'm moving forward. Me and G, we're together and all of that. It's declaring to your friends. It's declaring to your church family uh, that you are serious about this. It's saying to God and saying to other people, I'm with Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And in a very public way, there's a declaration that happens. You've heard us use the illustration of, uh, of wedding vows and of, you know, um, just because when people get up in front and they do their wedding thing, like they already love each other, right? They've already made commitments to each other. But there's this public moment where you now stand up in front of everybody and, and I'm looking right at you and you're looking right at me and we're having this moment together and we're crying and there's people, over, whatever. Uh, but it's, it's declaring in front of everybody that I am, going, I am yours and you are mine and we are together in this, okay? It's this moment of declaration uh, in, in that way. And it's a very public thing, water baptism. And third is what we're going to call identification. And that might not be the best word for it, but it's the best word I could come up with in my limited brain capacity, okay? But a moment ago, we, we made this statement about how we don't, we don't baptize people into River of Life Church, it's not like membership. That's not the way that we think it. But there's no question, scripturally, that intertwined with water baptism is, is this beautiful, like, joining the family of God and identifying with that. And uh, it's kind of like the word initiation, but in the healthy version of that word. Because sometimes when we hear the word initiation, we think of like, joining a gang or something, you know, and it, we're like, um, I got to shoot somebody to get a part of this or, you know, I don't know what the horror, why, why would I say these things? I don't, that's not in, that's not in there. Like it wasn't planned. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> but, but sincerely, but sincerely, it, it's, it's like, it's this moment where you, it's this symbolic declaration and, it, and it's now saying, I'm, I'm in with you. Together, we are joining this family of God. And it's this beautiful thing in that way. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful. Uh, we are in this together. It's not just me all alone in this. This is the body of Christ. And we are the family of God. We are individuals, but we are also one. And it's this moment. Now, we could go into all sorts of other areas. I could spend different things. Um, the word baptize is a fascinating Greek word. The word is baptizo. It's kind of funny. Um, but there's, there's like not an English equivalent of it. Uh, and in the original Greek, it's not like a religious word. It's, the, you know, it, it's what they would use to talk about um, submerging things, boats and different things. Anytime something would plunge or dip, there's, there's this ancient recipe uh, for making pickles that survived from 2,000 years ago, and it's in the Greek language. And they say you take, you take the vinegar and you baptize the cucumber in the vinegar. And then when the, when the cucumber dies, it goes to heaven, right? I mean, no. This, this word, this word in the Greek is just like a normal word, 
we didn't have this word in English, and so we kind of created a new word for it, which makes it nothing but a religious word for us. So it's fascinating stuff. Um, there's all sorts of symbolism, and baptism went way even before Christianity. For people who wanted to convert to Judaism, they had a version of this. John the Baptist often, or obviously came even before Jesus was baptizing people in different things. This symbolic event for him of there's something new that's coming, uh, and, and all of that. It is a beautiful, incredible moment and a powerful thing. And again, in our culture of individualism, we have lost some of this. You can go around the world right now to horribly persecuted places and you can watch Muslims, former Muslims who are, have, have accepted the message of Jesus and they are now publicly being baptized. It's dangerous. It's crazy. They're being kicked out of their families and this is a part of that transition for them. And in our culture, which is grown up Christian in a way, like in a Christian nation, and we could argue all of that type of stuff, but water baptism has just kind of been like intertwined in normal whatever. And it's this beautiful biblical moment that we have. Music team, will you please come? Now, let me just kind of speak from my, my heart here for three minutes. I love next steps next steps in my, in my relationship with God. And there, there is always a next step for us as followers of Christ. There's always something more. There's always something new. And that looks different for each one of us, depending on our situation, how long we've been involved in this, where we're at in life. But just understand, you have, you have a next step in your relationship with God. And one of the things I love to do is just to pray and say, God, what's the next step that you have for me? What does that look like? What is that for me? Like this life was never meant to be stagnant. It was never meant to be, like, stagnant is nasty. You, you, you have water that sits in a puddle and doesn't move, and it fills up with gross stuff, okay? Stagnant stuff is not good. We want to be moving and growing and be alive in this all the time, becoming more and more like Christ every single day. For some of us in this place, I'm just telling you, like, and some even watching behind a screen right now, water baptism is your next step. It's your next step. If you have never been baptized in water and you, and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, it's not this might be your next step. That this is your next step biblically. To, to, to be obedient to what Jesus said and a part of that transition of your life where, where you have become a follower of Christ, part of that transition period in your life is for you to stand up and symbolically just go through this beautiful moment. It's a way to be obedient to Jesus who clearly lays the foundation for every believer, every follower to take this step and be baptized in water. Jesus himself was baptized. He's like 30 years old. 
And he has that moment in the Jordan River with John the Baptist. It's a supernatural thing and God shows up and there's doves flying and it's like beautiful. And God speaks to him over him and all that. Jesus did that. Jesus commands us to do it. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, I'm telling you, people all over the world has been taking this next step in their journey, in their relationship with God. Uh, I, I, I I was talking to one of our staff members and she was just messaging me about uh, her water baptism. I'm not going to use her name because I didn't even ask her if I could talk about this, so I'm just going with it. But she wrote, uh, she wrote this. Let me just read a little bit of it. She wrote, you give voice and declare transformative change in your life. No longer do I live, but Christ lives within me, publicly declaring and claiming Jesus as save, Savior. It changed not only me, but everything I stepped into Water baptism was a powerful next step for me. Powerful. There's something powerful about stepping out in obedience, even when you don't fully understand it, even when you don't, it doesn't like totally make sense. There's this sense of I'm a follower of Jesus, and part of this is learning to be obedient. Okay? And so here, I'm going to push you a little bit with this. I'm just kind of, some of you are feeling a little, you're like, you don't know what to do with this. Two weeks from today, we are, we are baptizing people in our service. At this point, I think we have about a dozen people signed up, which is amazing. It's fantastic. And we're going to get to hear their story. They're going to stand up here in front of everybody and Pastor Corey or myself will be telling their story with them. And then we will take them under the water, hold them there for a minute or two. No. Okay take them under the water and bring them up. And as a church family, then we just get to celebrate together that someone is taking this moment, having this moment, taking this next step. And we clap and we celebrate. And, and some of us go, woo, because you're not really, and some of us stand up and clap and scream. And, but we celebrate however we do, okay? It's this beautiful thing. Some of us in this place, this, this is your next step. If you consider yourself a follower of Christ, then you have not done this. And for some of us, and I don't, and I don't want to like, I don't want to make this all anything weird about your baptism as an infant. And you can, and you can make that decision all on your own if you feel like that fits in this for you and all of that. But there are some of us for sure that make a decision that, that basically says, I didn't really have any part of choosing that for myself and I want and I and I feel like this is accomplishing something different and I feel like God is asking me to do this. And so we all the time have people that that's their story. We do, we don't ever want to make things weird and push things, but we do want to we do want to say, "Hey, this is this is a powerful next step." Will you stand with me all over this place? If you're here today and this water baptism thing is is speaking something to you. You are wanting to be obedient. You are feeling this pull. We want to know that. We want to talk to you about this. A couple things you can do. You can just write it on a connect card with your name. We'll reach out to you. You can come find one of the pastors and just say, hey, uh, this is my thing. I, gotta, I need to be obedient. And let's, let's do this. If this is you, this is a next step. And I believe you will look back at this and say, that was a beautiful thing for me. It was hard, it was awkward, it was challenging for some of us, but, but seriously, an important next step in that. And so God, I just pray right now that you would, 
that you would move us and that you would challenge us and that we would seek you for the next steps in our lives. And for someone, give them the boldness to do this, God, uh, as you have commanded it, and we want to be obedient to you. And God, for someone in this place today who is who has never fully given their life to you and responded to the message of Jesus, I pray that even in this moment, they would begin to cry out to you and say, forgive me and change me and I believe in you. And God, we have this moment where, where they connect with you even in a real way for the first time. So Lord, we thank you for what you have done. We worship you. We're grateful, God, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said?